Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast, episode 16, which is our third podcast in three weeks, which is a bit of a nice change. And joining me, Rohan, as usual, and Hello. we have Frank as well. Hey. Hi there, man. Nice to have you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. So what we're going to do is, as we always do, we're going to um, jump in with our Here's all the things that are interesting in the new release. And then we're going to talk to Frank about what you do for the community. Oh, let's go. All right. Um, first thing, Yahoo have shut down their finance platform. So now we have Alpha Vantage, which has been created um, so that people can monitor the stock market. I don't actually know what people would use this for i guess you could use it with you know voice assistants and things so you know your morning summary it says these shares that you've got have crashed don't bother going to work today <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, or or you know and and it's interesting too even if it's uh like let's say a share drops or something maybe change a color in a room uh light or something like that right or uh, sound uh, aside so run to your computer and sell 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 or buy <laughs> buy buy whichever right whatever your strategy yeah. is I could have used the notification for my Bitcoin drop today. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, perfect example. Yeah, it actually does track Bitcoin. Wow. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, something now, very. Now you're going to set that up. Yeah. <laughs> something very niche. Um, ADS automation device specification, um, which is a um, interface between Beckhoff automation devices whatever they are. <laughs> um, so as far as I can tell, it's a very commercial kind of industrial system, but clearly someone has a use for it because they've created the component for it. And I'm all for making it possible for many different industries and niches, not just home, to use Home Assistant. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's a I good wonder, thing. Uh, the creator of this, what, what his application would be. Mm. Like... Does he actually use it in an industrial environment or something? Or it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a little thing. Um, I can now control Vera scenes from Home Assistant. I still have a Vera hub sitting there, but I haven't actually bought any, um, any Z-Wave devices yet. So it's just sitting there doing nothing. But <laughs> at least I know that the component, the platform's kind of growing. So when I do go to use it, it'll be useful. Why do yeah. people actually use uh, secondary uh, devices for, yeah, like Z-Wave or stuff? I don't know. Why? Why, why would you use a Vera device so in, to... rather than doing it doing it natively in the in Home Assistant? Yeah, yeah. So for well, me, so, uh, oh, yeah, going around. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so for me, um, it's because I run HSIO on a VM, so that I don't have direct access to hardware. So my interface to the outside world is with other things. Um, so, for example, I have my Flick button um, running, the mm. uh, daemon running on a Pi 3, and I have the Vera for Z-Wave. Okay. Yeah, hmm. and for me, I have, uh, instead, of the, instead of Vera, I'm using SmartThings. And, and, and again, it was because I was on SmartThings originally, and all my, like yeah. my light switches and all those things were already registered to, to SmartThings. And, and Genuinely, more than anything, it's just I just couldn't be bothered <laughs> to, to uh, reset them and then reattach them to, uh, to to Home Assistant. And 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 again, I run mine in in Docker as well, and I don't have direct access to the hardware. Okay. Uh, and and I was just cheap and didn't, didn't want to buy another <laughs> another Z-Wave or Zigbee 
stick. So yeah, uh, you can you just use it as a okay. Well, yeah, it, it's I have no automations going on in in smart things. It's just it's literally just a bridge, uh, and it converts using the smarter smart things just converts to MQTT and yeah, uh, and Home Assistant picks it up there. Yeah, one of the other big use cases is locks because um, they require some pretty specific encryption and things like that that I don't believe Home Assistant supports. Okay. Um, there's yeah. some locks that say you know you must use this with Vera or with smart things because of you know the extra security that's in place for a lock. So that that was the main reason I bought it because I was going to go for Z-Wave you, locks you and then actually uh, have locks. Mm. Automate. Yeah. Yep. Um, I ended up actually going with um, uh, HomeKit supported locks instead um, because they were easier. Um, and they were available locally because I um, was trying to automate one of my manual electronic locks and I, um, instead of attaching the wires connected to the unlock switch to a relay, I put 12 volts down it and fried the lock. So I Oops. had to had to run out and buy a, <laughs> buy a lock. So that just happened to be the one that was available at the time. No, yeah, I find it's... Very scary to have a, a lock on my home automation or the lock of my house connected to, well, the Internet of Things. I guess I don't know. Scary thought. Yeah, I'm, 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 I, and I shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are, Frank. Um, it's, I, I think, for me, more than anything, it's just the somebody. Uh, I think I'm just more paranoid, like somebody yelling to my to my voice assistant to say. Hey, unlock the door or something like that. Which, which again, that that's something I would I would disable from from any voice control. Yeah, that's right. I think Amazon have actually locked out the unlock and open commands um, for smart skills, so that people can't do that. Yeah, that's yeah, but idea. it's not just the, just the voice control. I don't know. It's it's like everything. I I don't mind if someone hacks it to my system and. Well, it would be possible to switch a light on and off, but open the door is such a, such a dif- different thing, I guess. Mm, yeah. yeah, I don't have my home assistant open to the internet. It's all access over a VPN, so I'm not, you know, not massively, and I've got it behind, you know, a firewall that does intrusion protection and all that kind of stuff. So I'm relatively confident that it's secure. Yeah, no, it's uh, okay. I believe you. It's quite secure, but nevertheless, yeah, I'm a bit paranoid. <laughs> Fair <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so next thing is device tracker, um, the Meraki APs. Now the cool thing about these is that the Meraki system has a thing called location analytics, which means it actually sees all of your wireless devices, not just the ones connected to your wireless Mm -hmm. networks. So that's, you know, if someone is at your house, um, and not connected to your Wi-Fi, it can still go, well, I see a wireless radio in their device. So that's pretty cool. I think, you know, it's sold as something for, you know, like store retail stores and things like that. So they can track people, but yeah, super handy for yeah. this. Yeah, it's used, the, the location analytics in there is used quite a bit to say, hey, here's some hot areas, here's some cold areas. Um, you know, not a lot of people are visiting this aisle or this this product, uh, the, the way it's placed, right? So mm. apparently it's not attracting a lot of people. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, in this sense, we're using it again just to say, Yay or nay? Are you here? Or are you not? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the what the kind of delay is on it picking that up, but it might be, it be faster than people having to connect to the Wi Fi. Um, 
It will be. Well, so yeah. So essentially what it's doing is it looks for, for beaconing. Mm. Uh, so it's not even necessarily, you don't need to be connected to the Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. Now I'm not sure what they're, what they're using behind this, whether it's using a Meraki API to pull in using connected devices, or if it's, uh, if it's using, uh, this proper CMX API, which you wouldn't need to do that anyways, uh, which, which looks at the beacons and says, hey, this device is present or not present. And can also, I mean, behind the scenes, you can also triangulate and stuff like that, but it's a little more complicated. Mm. Uh, but it looks like it is using the CMX API. Yeah. So yeah, then and if that's the case, then you theoretically don't even need to be connected. So Nice. Um, oh, I missed, that. missed one thing. Open new tab. Right. Um, next thing is CalDAV. So for those that are hosting their own calendar, um, you can now access them as a as a sensor, which is pretty cool. Um, I haven't actually got around to setting it up yet, but as far as I can tell, you can actually get the event titles of current events and things like that, and you know, trigger automations based on things in your calendar, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get my life more calendarized, so I think that's going to be a good way for me to actually start automating morning and evening routines. Yes, and, it, and even if you have like a time tied to your, hey, I'm going to wake up at a certain time, things like that. It, it's, mm. But it's exactly what you said, Dan. It's you, you're, you've got to live in your calendar, right? Yes. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm trying to get more organized, and that's, that's one of the ways uh, that I'm trying to do it. F- five years in, I'm still not there. Yeah, <laughs> it would be nice for. I think for me personally, it would be nice for birthday reminders. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, you know, you got, you know, if you had you had children or something, and you have a speaker in their room, you can wake them up in the morning with "Happy Birthday" automatically <laughs> on their birthdays. <laughs> exactly. Or, or you know, scare them awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the last one I wanted to mention is a braking change for Philips Hue, which so many people use. Um, it's been updated to allow multiple bridges. So you actually have to go and if you're, well, if you're using Discovery Component, it'll just work. If you're not, like me, um, you actually have to update your configuration because instead of just having um, light and hue, and here's the IP, it's actually its own component, so it's hue and then bridges, and then you give it the bridge IP instead. Right. So, which, bit of a change which, here. I, I actually like that organization. Personally, I like mm. that organization a little better. Yeah. It's more like all the rest is organized, so I guess it's more fitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hue's been around for a long time, since the point six release, so <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good to say that it's been updated. Well, and, and that also, it's also if Philips adds to their ecosystem as well, right? So instead of it being a light and then in there and then so on and so forth, uh, you can kind of discover the entire ecosystem as a whole and then and then kind of mm. bring in what you want from there afterwards, right? Um, yeah. Little, in, my, in, my, in my mind, at least, it's a little more flexible uh, if they do it this way. Yeah, because they have motion sensors and switches and all sorts. Yeah. All right. There are actually two things that were in the in this release that are aren't in the in the, in the blog post, which I think is a mention worthy. Um, mm-hmm. One is the support for uh, Logitech UE smart radios, um, and I don't know why it's not in the blog post. To be honest, but 
I think um, it's kind of cool that it's got added because, well, those radios aren't sold anymore, I guess. Yeah. Um, but they were sold a lot. So it's it's kind of cool to see uh, an older platform um, being added to um, mm. Home Assistant. And I, I actually do one, uh, do own one. So I have one and I can now use it actually, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Nice. That's a nice one. Yeah. And my personal favorite from this, uh, this release is the Samsung power off behavior that was corrected. If you have a Samsung TV, it would actually, if you send a turn off command command, it would turn on again (laughs) after a couple of seconds. Oh, and it's (laughs) been in there for so long. Um, uh, yeah, pretty annoying. I was quite happy to see this one. That's funny. Well, that's good then. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah, that that is funny. That's good that that's been fixed. <laughs> yeah, have an automation to turn your TV off, or you hit the button and then you walk away, and hmm. well, then you hear the TV again. Oh, that's another <laughs> thing that's been around for a long time. Point one three release. Mm. Yeah, it is. Okay, on to our guest who doesn't use Home Assistant. How about that? No. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to tell us a bit about yeah. Maybe how you got involved in the community and what you do? Yeah, uh, no problem. Um, yeah, I don't use Home Assistant. Uh, that's actually not totally true. I do use it because I develop on it. But um, I've, well, in August, I think, yeah, August, August of this year, I started um, looking for a project to work on. I don't know. Uh, my job changed. I code less on my day-to-day job. And I truly miss coding. I'm already coding all my life. Like since I was six, seven years old, I started out. Now 35, so that's a long time. But I do miss it, so I uh, wanted to start programming in my spare time. I was looking for something to give back to the GitHub community, as in GitHub itself, contribute Mm -hmm. to open source. Mm. And I don't know why. I stumbled upon Home Assistant, and I thought, wow, cool. Um, This is pretty nice. Could be using it myself, right? So I've installed it on my computer and well, played around and well, I saw a lot of uh, nice stuff there. And it was like a couple of weeks later, I noticed Hash.io popping up. Um, it was already present, but I ignored it at first. Uh, the community wasn't uh, focused around Hash.io at the time. Uh, the documentation wasn't focused around Hash.io at the time. So it took a couple of weeks for me to actually try Hash.io on my old Pi here. And I actually pretty liked it. I like the concept behind Hash.io. And I like the extensibility of it by uh, creating, yeah, people could create add-ons. Mm-hmm. And there was one add-on in the in the forums that was pretty popular. It was the Homebridge add-on um, that was created by Oliver. And it was actually broken. And people seemed to be um, yeah, kind of in panic or stuff and unable to fix it. And... I thought, well, that's not that hard. Let's 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 try this, and I did. I fixed it. I created an uh, an alternative one, an alternative version that didn't have the problems that were uh, at the time uh, in the version of Oliver. And well, that's where the story started. I started creating add-ons. Uh, I think I'm now at seven. Yeah, seven different. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you created. I know one of the big ones you created was the uh, pie hole, right? 
Yeah, piles are pretty big. Um, I don't know exactly how many down of pools in Docker. It's called pools, but it's a lot. I got numbers here. Piles, twelve k down wow. pools at the moment. Wow. But Homebridge is uh, much much bigger. It's twenty three k pools now. So that's that's pretty okay. Yeah, it's pretty oh. impressive. But the the thing I liked the most was just the um, all the fuss in the community. It, it, it amazed me um, the the number of tweets my Twitter account exploded. Um, <laughs> it, it was amazing to see all the support and and the thank yous and and um, well, I still don't know what to do with it all. Like um, it's a little bit too much at some time. <laughs> but, but 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 yeah, well, um, I do it for you guys. Like I, I want to give back to the community. I like to do this kind of stuff. And yeah, that, and yet- that's where it all came from. That's the story, hmm. actually. And I actually never got to installing and using Home Assistant myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do run Home Assistant on like five devices at the moment, just for testing purposes. Um, and I reinstall them like every week and uh, the virtual machine is reinstalled a couple of times a day <laughs> uh, just to test things out uh, and different architectures like ARM and, and Intel. And But yeah, I, I never got around to actually start using it which is a little bit of a shame i guess <laughs> so so if you do you do any home automation today let's start with that today like yeah in my, in my house yeah well n- 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 no no <laughs> yeah n- no yes i do have a lot of equipment already um i collected already a lot of stuff um, yeah aliexpress and um well i actually bought some z-wave stuff and can z-wave stick and uh IKEA stuff. Well, there's a lot of you know, a lot of things in my house that could be connected. So if I buy something, I do keep in mind that I want to use it in the future. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, never got around to it. That's actually the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, the hard work is done. At least now you know what you have, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and secondly, I bought a new house um, and sold my current uh, house. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be moving in February, um, so I think that would be a good start for yeah mm. for starting out my home automation in a new, fresh living area, living space. Absolutely. And you're speaking of Hasio, you're quite the quite the advocate for it. I noticed um, you managed to convince me to get over and use it. Yeah, I never imagined. <laughs> <laughs> After all my grumbles about it a, few, a while back, a few people jumped up and said, you really should give it a proper go. And I went, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and a, now you're a fan. And now I'm a fan. It's running in a VM. I I love the Cloud9 IDE. It's just, it's just awesome. It's just made everything so much easier. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. 
You can find it on Amazon. Or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I think the main problem with Hashow and, and uh, the community in, in this case, um, not that community is a problem, but I think the transition, it's a change again. Mm. And some things are a little different, like your configuration files are in a different place. And, well, you can't just go to the command prompt and install something and do an add get or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, so there are some differences, but it's not necessarily impossible. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something people need to get used to also. Yeah, and 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 that's not a bad thing, right? Like, uh, no. in a sense that I I don't want to have to go to a command line and go apt get do whatever, right? Like, it should just be a plugin, um, which, uh, in my opinion, at least, that's that's how easy it should be, right? I shouldn't have to go through and go through CLI, and and then again, we keep going back to that topic of how do we make this technology more usable for for a non technical user? Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, just like Paula said on the last show, um, we're getting more and more non-technical users. Yeah, People start getting more and more um, home automation equipment at their homes and they don't interact with each other. So home assisting is getting more and more user-based that have, don't have a developer's background or a technical background. Yeah, so I think it's quite important to uh, serve those people as well. Um, and I'm not advocating I'm not an advocate for Hash.io or something. I'm more, I do like Home Assistant. As in, it, it's still Home Assistant. It's just running mm. in a Docker container. Yeah, and there yeah. are a lot of people that are already running Home Assistant in a Docker container. And they don't like Hash.io. Like, how does that work? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I it's like the, the same thing. There's a bit of loss of control there, especially if you're running one of the um, images. Yeah, you know, you, there's... Because because I'm running it in a VM, I have root access to the the host, but you don't mm-hmm. you don't get that with the. I think I'm right in saying you don't get that with the the images that you'd install on a Pi or on on a Intel NUC. Yeah, yeah, you actually can, but it's kind of discouraged in the documentation. Right, but you can gain access to it. Uh, I do um, a mm. lot, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. you can actually install it on top of a Linux. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's what I've done. Yeah. Linux. Yeah, that's what you have done. And that's that's kind of the best of the both worlds, in my opinion. It's like you still have access to your Linux host and run your custom Docker containers and install something locally if you want to. Um, but you can still run Hashio on top of it. Yeah. I think it's the best of both worlds. And that's actually not something we're uh, pushing at. We're pushing at the easy, uh, almost non-breakable configuration. <laughs> Which is fine for the non-technical users. Yeah, absolutely. There's a path in between, um, which most people don't see. And I think that's yeah. a problem. My pers- Personally, I think it's a problem. Yeah, as I yeah. mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I'm using, uh, I've started pushing all my state data into MongoDB. So when I restart Home Assistant, I don't lose all my states. Um, so that's um, instead of creating a HESIO add-on, which I probably should have done. I'm just running a beer MongoDB container. Yeah. Well, I've actually been working on MongoDB for a couple of months now for uh, Hashio, right? Uh, but ran into a problem in uh, with QEMU, which is uh, uh. a processor emulator used for uh, for cross compiling, for example. Mm. 
Um, so I haven't released it yet. Right. Uh, but it's coming. Excellent. <laughs> and then I can get rid of my, my custom yeah, containers. I, I fixed the issue after a couple of months of headaches. And it's actually nice. a bug in QAMU itself. So oh, wow. it's, it's, it's been fixed. And mm-hmm. yeah, we can continue moving forward. And I was planning on using MongoDB for uh, a VPN add-on. Yeah. So oh, that's in the works as well. Nice. That's pretty cool. So you, are you doing, are you doing like, uh, like, like for a user store and things like that? Sorry, for? For yeah, like for user, user. users' yeah. data and mm-hmm. such. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yep, indeed. So that thing is now, yeah, I can continue on working on that one. Cool. I'll look forward to that and switch over when it's ready. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, well, maybe some sneak preview on other stuff that's coming. Um, Please. I uh, already uh, put out a tweet uh, about an add-on called Aircast. It's like a combination of AirPlay and Chromecast. Mm. Uh, currently, it's impossible to um, send audio from your iOS devices to Chromecast. That's impossible, so I, I created a bridge for it. And, well, that would be a single-click install, and it would just run in the background and uh, expose all your Chromecast devices as AirPlay devices in your network. Awesome. Very cool. So that's one that's coming. Uh, one that's requested and it's almost similar is Air Sonos, um, allowing you uh, to airplay to Sonos devices. Yeah. Pretty similar, but the protocol is different. So it's a different add on. Uh, I will be releasing FTP server. Um, hmm. I hope this Christmas. Uh, people requested it, and I, I don't know. I first thought, wouldn't who would use FTP these days? Like, why would you? You could SSH into it. You could SCP files to it. You could use Samba or any other thing. But why FTP? And somebody actually gave me a case that was pretty interesting. Most IP cameras support FTP. Right. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. So why not? So I created one and it's almost done. I'm writing the documentation at the moment. So Nice. That's Come awesome. On. That's yeah. uh, that's actually a very good use case. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised about it. And another one is uh, Duplicati. I don't know if you yeah. ever heard of it. Um, so it allows you to, yeah, sync and publish stuff to other storage platforms like uh, Dropbox or uh, S3. Mm-hmm. And my use case would be backing up to those. Yes, very good. Yeah, that I've been look, trying to work out a good backup solution for SIO, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's really handy. So that one's in the progress too, but it had the same bug as MongoDB, so right. they yeah. can continue on it now, right now. So that would be uh, one of the next ones we'll list to finish. Mm. That's awesome. So, so do you ever find any time to, you know, like sleep and eat and stuff? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Actually, yeah, absolutely. That's great. No, it's it's. Uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot of really cool things. So, yeah, really oh, appreciate well, that you. on behalf of the community. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No. Agreed. The yeah, the amount of work that you've been putting in, especially when you don't have a current use case for it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, I do. I do have a little use case for myself. It's like the future. Mm, I could that's use true. In the future, uh, like I own iOS devices, so Homebridge is a no-brainer for the future. Mm. Uh, I would have to create a, a, a configuration in the future, so an IDE would be pretty useful, right? Yeah. 
if my new network is building up in my new home, I would like to filter the ads. So Pile is pretty useful. So if you look at it that way, it mm. still is useful for myself as well. True. Yeah. But but at this point, it's okay. You, you deserve to use it at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So between the last few episodes, we have received a mountain of feedback. Yeah, I see. Wow. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to do the, the feedback stuff first and then we'll do the questions. Um, so from Matt, I've subscribed to your podcast on Pocket Casts on Android. However, the list of episodes is not complete. The RSS feed only goes back to episode six. Um, the feed is correct. Haspodcast.io slash feed slash podcast. Um, that's my bad. I have it configured at the moment. Only put the last six in the feed. So I am going to update that so all of the podcasts are in there. But once we get to about 100, I'm going to have to start cutting them off again because podcast players and things get a bit grumpy with lots and lots of podcasts (laughs) in the feed. Um, And from Axel, uh, first off, congratulations on a great and ever-growing podcast. I'm always looking forward to listening to a new episode. And hopefully getting ideas from that. So I'm always excited when a new episode is. Well, thank you. We we do appreciate the positive feedback. And there's been, again, lots of people dropping into the Discord saying that they're enjoying the podcast. And it does make it worthwhile. Um, it's nice to hear that people are enjoying it and that, you know, that the work that we're putting in is enjoyed and that we, you know, people look forward to it. So that's Definitely. really good. I do. <laughs> thank yeah, you as and, well. And, and, and 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 for everybody who's not on the Discord, I mean, feel free to join in on the conversation, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I know, I know. That's how that's how Frank and I first got introduced. Yeah. <laughs> going back and forth on Hazio. So, mm. right. So he continued. They continue. The reason why I'm writing is sometimes I have issues following your podcasts, and that it's sometimes hard to identify who is who. Um, the reason that they're writing that is because in the last. Uh, second to last podcast someone wrote about a blog post on docker on a vm um, which is something that they're interested in but they haven't been able to find it so they've asked that we make the show notes a bit more clear and make sure that you know when someone says i've done this we identify who that person is and where to find things Hmm. Um, and some episode suggestions um voice assistants why which which platform to use how to set it up um networking setup um this is definitely a pretty advanced topic which is buying a firewall setting up vlans and you know securing um your home assistant installation um also i mentioned the geo blocking there to stop all those countries that you'll never be in from accessing your home assistant install which is an awesome idea um and they finish as a network guy and with a particular interest towards security, this is an important topic for me and I think more people should be aware. Absolutely agreed. Um, yeah, ditto. Yeah, and that's where you know cloud comes in as well. There's reducing the need for actually you know, having to add um, a remote access to the wild world, which is not really ideal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but still, there are people who are interested in it, so... Hmm. I think focusing on the cloud alone, like this solves it, so don't use anything else, is kind of be the, the, the wrong approach. Agreed. Yeah. 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 We're all up the, 
the Home Assistant gives you options. So we're always going to explore mm-hmm. all of the options. Yep. Exactly. Um, feedback from Jay. I lis- recently listened to episode 13 and I heard your discussion about connecting multiple Home Assistants together so that some components could be isolated from others. I just came across the MQTT state stream component, which looks like it publishes state attributes and timestamps to MQTT. I haven't personally tried it out, but it may be a possible solution. Apparently the Z-Wave community uses it to get around the 232 device limit for Z-Wave controller. I may try it out soon so that I don't have to restart my Z-Wave network every time I restart Home Assistant. Anyway, just wanted to bring that to your attention. Wow. The the bit that stuck out there to me was 232 device limit and imagining yeah. <laughs> that some people have I'm, more I'm, than that that amount of devices. <laughs> I'm 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 really curious, Jay, as to how many devices you've got on your specifically on Z-Wave. So <laughs> yeah, wow. I had a similar question on my um, Homebridge add-on um, on the GitHub. Like mm-hmm. uh, HomeKit has a limit of 100 devices, mm. and somebody actually hit that limit. And was asking me how to work around it. Like 100 devices is, is pretty much, but 230. Wow. Yeah. Like, how? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So every light in your Christmas tree is switchable or something. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, hey, maybe maybe you really like home automation, and hey, good for you. Uh, <laughs> but but Jay, I mean, feel free again uh, chime in on the Discord. I'd love to know. Uh, how many actually you actually have? If if if, the, if you're talking about yourself, um, or if you're just curious as more to just the extents of how much you can push it, if you ever need to. Mm. Well, it actually has a good use case, right? Like, yeah. um, like the same thing you're doing with the um, SmartThings controller, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you restart your Home Assistant, it's not initializing all the Z-Wave stuff. Yeah, it's connecting to it and it works. So it it's actually a pretty good, cool use case. Yeah. Makes it a little quicker. Yeah. All right. So we've got a couple of questions as well. Um, firstly, from Mark. Mark, I'm really sorry. Your feedback was over a month ago, and we just haven't got to do feedback in an episode. So here it is now. Mark says, really loving the podcast. Thanks for all the time and effort put in by the team to produce it. I was wondering if you or the audience had any advice on the best way to integrate IR receivers and transmitters into Home Assistant. I'm especially interested in using an IR remote as an input, trigger, or switch, but it would be nice to control IR devices such as aircon, TV, amplifier, PlayStation as well. I have a couple of Harmony IR universal remotes and was looking to at the Harmony hub. It looks like it's app or RF remote only. Also, it would be quite expensive for me as I want to do it in three rooms. Other options seem to be LARC, or Broadlink RM3 RM Pro, which also does RF. As a side note, my home assistant seems to become unresponsive or slow with Z-Wave after a few days. Any advice? I'm running an all-in-one install of Home Assistant on a Pi 3. So the IR bit first. Um, When I've been talking about various sensors that I want to do, like light and things like that, one thing that keeps coming up is my sensors. And there's actually a infrared sender and receiver um, guide for my sensors. So I think that would actually be my suggestion, is that that would be a good way to do it. Um, 
One thing you might struggle with a bit is air conditioning because the aircon remotes send a massive, massive amount of data over IR. Um, all the ones I've come across transmit all the settings all at once um, in a big, massive IR stream. So that's where uh, Sensibo um, I use comes in because it it's a little disc that you stick on your on your aircon and it has an app and it works with Home Assistant. Um, so that's a little bit harder for you know an Arduino or something like that to control just because of the amount of data that gets pumped over IR so quickly. But yeah, my sensors would be my suggestion for IR, and I'm afraid I don't know anything about Z-Wave, so I can't help there. Yeah, I don't know if I know enough about it either. Um, yeah, so I think we'll throw that one open to the, the podcast community, and if someone wants to send in some feedback, we can read it out on the next show. I'm going to give you the standard uh, IT answer of, have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> well, actually, Home Assistant does turn it on, off and on again. Yeah, it does, yeah, the, yeah. does the heel, doesn't it? Yeah, the heel. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you could change it and reset or something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and also just for the first, first part, I want to, I want to address, uh, usually Phil and I just show up, uh, Dan's the one that, that does most of the work. So, uh, thank you, Dan, for that too. So, uh, just, I'm, I'm, I'm addressing the part that, uh, where, where he talked about, uh, all the, all the effort we put in. I mean, Phil and I sometimes fill in the workflowy, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Dan, Dan, Dan does that, the brunt of the heavy lifting. So thank you, Dan, that's on, on yeah. behalf of both Phil and myself as well. Uh, that that's no problem. Podcasting's definitely one of my interests. So it's it's nice to be able to apply it in a actual meaningful way. Yeah, well, it it, it works, and the community mm. seems to like it. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, well, that, that that's the important bit is that you're know, giving back to the community, which has given so much to me. You know, all my annoying questions and problems with Home Assistant <laughs> over the last couple of years. Last bit of feedback from Gina. I think it's Gina J E E N A. Um, I'm fairly new to Home Assistant and I run it on a Raspberry Pi 3 uh, do presence detection with Bluetooth and have a Telstick Duo with Nexus switches which work nice to turn on and off devices I bought a, a Tel- Teldus door magnet switch and it works when I listen to it with my own little script and they've included the script um, I get info about it opening and closing and I also get the info when I press the buttons on the remote Sadly, Home Assistant doesn't get this information for some reason. It doesn't change the state in the UI, nor can I use it as a trigger. I tried to look into the code, but it wasn't quite straightforward. I saw some code creating callback functions, but it is either broken or has never worked. Do you have any tips on how to get this working? Uh, I'm afraid not. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) this is not something that um, I've dealt with myself. I don't know if you guys have, but... Again, I think this is something we have to throw open to the, the community to to drop in and provide us some information. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick that over to Frank or Dale. <laughs> uh, no, I'm passing. <laughs> I think that this is exactly exactly a question that should be asked in the Dev Channel. Mm. Yeah, like there are people in there that uh, can actually help you with uh, all the core things of Home Assistant. Yeah, and. Don't forget, there's you know the the other Discord channels and the community forums as well. We're probably mm. not the best platform for support. Um, no, talk to us about you know community and things like that, or you know, hey, here's a cool project. But you know, specific support questions, 
feel free to send them in and we'll, you know, we'll broadcast them out to the community, but you might be waiting a little while as well. So the other, the other areas are, are useful. And, you know, if you have something that's interesting like this and you get an answer, send us in the question and the answer and we'll be, you know, more than happy to read it out and provide the information to everyone. Agreed. All right, guys. Anything else you want to share or say or anything before we wrap it up? Well, I'm kind of curious about um, the plans you have, you guys, for 2018. Ooh, great question. Mm. Dan, go first. That's right. I was, that's the other thing I want to talk about was Christmas wish lists. (laughs) I'd forgotten about that. Um, One of my immediate plans is I'm going to actually go out and buy a color hue bulb to put in the light fitting outside my office so I can have a bit of a recording light. Um, where our house seems to be getting busier and busier as we go through the years, um, you know, friends and family dropping by. So being able to make the light go red so people know not to barge into my office while I'm recording podcasts. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. What else? Um, probably some Z-Wave stuff. Um, one of the things I really want to do is do ambient light detection, whether that's Z-Wave or my sensors or whatever it ends up being. Um, I want to augment my time-based light brightness to be based on ambient light levels instead. So if it's, you know, pitch black, it doesn't bring the lights on super bright. But if it's bright and I still want lights, then clearly they need to be full brightness, things like that. Um, yeah, and just finish getting all this stuff in my house and Home Assistant. I've got, you know, my security cameras aren't in. Um, I need to get my power monitoring in. There's just so much that I haven't done yet because I keep going, nope, there's a better way to structure this whole thing. I'm going to start from scratch. So I'm hoping now that I've got HASIO and I've had a lot of experience at starting from scratch that I've actually got it to a point where I'm happy enough that I can dig in properly. That's awesome. Uh, For myself, it's... Yeah, it's it's going to be a little more restructuring of my uh, of my configs and keep pushing it up to get so on and so forth. Uh, from a wish list perspective, it's really I'm I'm and I mentioned this a few episodes ago as well as I'm kind of moving on to the Lutron ecosystem mm. uh, with the Cassetta switches, um, which I for I, I, there's been a lot of mixed reviews. For me personally, they're working great uh, right now. I have. Uh, I have a bunch of Z-Wave switches, as I mentioned, that go through smart things. Um, I want to pull those out and go go to the Cassetta as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, bi- the big reason for me is, uh, so when, when they built my house, I guess the boxes, the wall boxes they put in aren't thick enough or, or aren't, aren't wide enough to, to facilitate uh, the, the larger backs of the, of the smart switches. So I've had to put wall box extenders. And personally, I think it looks a little ugly. Uh, or it's just a little bulky. So... Um, the the cassetta ones are a lot thinner so i want to move to that uh, entirely and um i mean again it's i want to play a little more in terms of how i can see how i can push uh further to uh get home assistant on my swarm uh, my docker swarm stack which i do have it on right now but uh see what else i can do and then and again do things like get uh get a few other modules installed in there and um uh, again facilitate things like uh siri and so on and so forth but Nice. That's it for me. I mean, not not a ton of stuff. Uh, I eventually want to do some more automations as well. And and similar to you, Dan, I want to get uh, get my security cameras and things in there too. So, but that's it. 
more, more importantly, I need to do my reno my house first. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's a little more pressing. <laughs> yeah. How about yourself, Frank? Well, it's pretty easy, right? Start using Home Assistant. Start. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's one of the one of the things. Um, yeah. I I I can't wait for my new home to start working on this stuff. Yeah. But I do have some other things like I want to push out some more on, so I got a pretty big list of things I want uh, <laughs> and to give back, not necessarily for use myself. Um, but I do want to go more into the development of Home Assistant itself. Yeah. Uh, and mainly the front-end stuff. Um, I'm not yeah. that good in front-end, but I think I can can change something on the hash.io part. The front-end part of hash.io is one of the the things that's not getting a lot of attention. I don't know. I think I can contribute to that a little. So that's, yeah, that are the main things regarding home automation that is for 2018. Nice. Yeah, just getting in more and more. Yeah. Well, and, and actually, yeah, like you said, doing it, right? And yeah. when you move into your place, getting all that stuff set up and stuff, I'm sure it'll take <laughs> take a lot of time, so... Yeah, I actually try to 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 integrate a, a camera as well. Um, yeah, and I failed badly at it. So <laughs> I asked a, a really stupid question on a Discord chat, and people were amazed. Like, why did he ask that question? Because I really don't know how Home Assistant works. And um, well, <laughs> gotta learn sometime, right? That's um, it. One thing about cameras that amazes me, by the way, uh, since you guys were talking about it, it's not supporting real streams. It's just uh, snapshots. motion. Yeah. 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 Motion and, and snapshots indeed. And something I would really love to see is actually, well, I don't know, the actual stream, mm. audio stuff. I don't know. Yeah. How that works. Is that even possible? Yeah, there's ways to, should be. There's ways to do it. Um, it depends if Home Assistant's going to be proxying it as well or if you your browser just connects out to the camera because um, obviously yeah. proxying the, the video is going to be pretty resource-intensive. So there, there's options. Um, yeah, it might, it might be interesting to maybe modify like an HA dashboard or something like that as well, right, and use those streams uh, instead of the stream pulling in from Home Assistant, pull it in from directly from the camera. Yeah, yeah but this is not a separate interface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's interesting for me, the way I look at it is, is I should never be using the home assistant interface, right? Um, those are for when I break something or if I need to reset something, I'm doing it and everything else goes through either voice or, or some kind of a UI. And that, that's actually supposed to be one of my 2018 projects as well as, is to deploy HA dashboard. Um, yeah. and, and just, just a little more user-friendly, right. Um, and, and, for me personally, my uh, my SO, it's uh, it's more for you know for from a usability perspective, things like that. Uh, for her to start consuming it as well, mm. <laughs> uh, and then and then it, right now, right now with with voice, she loves it. Um, it's like you know turn turn on the turn on the lights or turn off the lights or you know increase the heat, decrease the heat, that kind of thing. Um, so that that's that's proven successful so far. So yeah, a lot of people use the voice uh, thingy. That's clear after the last podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul has mentioned the 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 thing created by the company called Amazon, yeah. <laughs> which he mentioned That's... twenty odd times. 
think that's the <laughs> best way to say it. But uh, yeah, well, the, the same goes for Google, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I actually bought a Google Home, so uh, it isn't sold here in the Netherlands. I'm from the Netherlands, by the way. It isn't sold here, but I'm living near the German border, so I went to the store across the border and bought one. <laughs> It's, nice. it's, uh, it's 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 pretty nice actually um but at the moment it's just playing spotify and that's all it can do since i don't <laughs> have anything else yeah um but it's it's pretty accurate and that's that really amazes me yeah i find the accuracy on the home is a little better than on my amazon um that's i've got i've got both um just I mean, I mean i primarily use my amazon i just got a couple of minis when they're on sale mm. Uh, just to play with and 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 it's interesting right because i i always get people asking me this well do i go echo do i go do i go home right what ecosystem do i go into um Mm -hmm. and it's really what do you want better or do you want to google things better or do you want uh do you want more functionality from like essentially apps right or or smart apps or whatever uh whatever you want to call the generic terms of of that Mm -hmm. um integrations wise i uh, personally i just find that the echo has way more um than the home but i mean that might change soon with with google's pace but yeah and that's not the only thing um i'm from the netherlands and we speak dutch um right and amazon is currently not active in the netherlands yeah it has a bookstore but that's about it and well i don't see the amazon echo speaking dutch in a couple of yeah months or next year um but google google's actually in the netherlands uh, uh, with their uh, mobile devices, of course, mm-hmm. in most countries that is. So I think Google Home would speak Dutch much, much, much sooner mm. than them. Well, that's yeah. the main reason uh, for the wife approval rate, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, uh, where it's 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 interesting because yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Google's got the the, the machine behind them, <laughs> right? Yeah. For for the translation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if, if anybody from either of those organizations are, are listening right now, uh, Hacktoberfest seemed to prove very successful for, for Home Assistant for translations and stuff. So Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on. This is our last podcast um, for 2017 and for a couple of weeks while the Home Assistant project takes a little bit of a break. Um, and we'll be back one week following the point six one release in 2018. Perfect. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you very much. See you next time. See you. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Happy New Year.